0: Thank you, thank you, thank you for those birthday hugs, a physical touch and closest guy like myself, always feel better after a series of uh, some hugs, thank you so much, grateful for that. So we are uh, in a place where in our nation and world, it's a different place, it's unusual, And uh, we have been praying for Israel on a weekly basis here. We've had, particularly in October, several extra uh, prayer meetings uh, for Israel on our Open the Wells, which is not this week, but the next uh, Friday of worship and prayer night we'll focus, uh, as the Lord leads, uh, on Israel. Uh, At the end of November, normally it's the fourth Wednesday of the month, we have a monthly prayer time for Israel. We're going to bump that because that's Thanksgiving week. To the to the end of the of the month, to fifth Wednesday in November, I hope to have a special guest. I've been talking to someone to come to begin uh, and sharing before we pray. I'll I'll keep you updated on that. And um, and so these are uh, crisis times in Israel, and the world is being shaken. And it's it's in the end, God is working His plan. Uh, I have so much loved our uh, our Love One Another series that we're in, and we're not done with that. We still have a couple of more uh, messages to do there. But I really couldn't wait till January to get out some things about Israel uh, because of the untruths that are being told in the media every single day. And I just felt like as a pastor and teacher of God's Word, taking a stand for truth, that I needed to uh, really spend, uh, it'll be, you know, I'm looking at two Sundays here right now to go into some detail, but not too much. I mean, it is so hard to choose what to, what to say and not to say. It's just so much going on. And so um, uh, I want to actually open up in prayer and, and pray for me uh, in a moment. And but it does cause people to ask some deeper questions, doesn't it? Could we be heading into World War III soon? Could uh, there be a um, uh, this a war going on relating to the end time wars and the Battle of Armageddon? And people are asking those questions. There, a grandfather uh, here in our church said his grandson was at a youth camp a few weeks ago, and the preacher was talking about. Jesus coming back soon and his grandson gave his heart to Jesus Christ that day. Glorious, huh? And that is what God is looking for all over the earth is the harvest. In Israel, in Gaza, the Arab world, you name it, God is among young people in Shelby County, Henry, and Franklin and Anderson County. God is into the harvest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we are. Um, I'm dependent on you this morning. I need your anointing and your empowerment. I want to so much to glorify you and exalt you in your word and your truth. Open our ears to your spirit, Lord, that we may follow you. In your name we pray, amen. In one day, In one surprise attack, hundreds of innocent people of various ages and backgrounds were slaughtered. This terrorist attack was from Islamic terrorists who prepared and trained for years for that one day to give their lives in jihad. That's a holy war against the infidels. Infidels, really anyone who doesn't believe in their extreme Islamic religion. That day changed not only one nation, but the whole world in a moment. I'm referring to September 11th, 2001. That in a day, 2,977 innocent U.S. citizens were killed from four airline crashes where 19 Al Qaeda terrorists took over those planes and crashed two of them in the World Trade Towers. Another one in the Pentagon, and, the, and a fourth landed in a rural area in Pennsylvania. Along with those 2,977 who are memorialized today in Manhattan at that memorial, 6,000 were injured, and eight children were on those flights that fateful day. Instantly, the world ch- joined in our 10-year battle against Islamic terrorism, specifically finding al-Qaeda and uh, who had vowed jihad, a whole war, war against the USA, and Osama bin Laden, who was the founder and leader of that terrorist organization, was finally kill, killed in his compound in Pakistan. The war in Afghanistan against terror continued for another 10 years, and the last members of the U.S. forces left the region on August 30, 2021, resulting in the return to power of the Taliban. The world stood with the USA because they knew we did nothing to deserve a violent, deadly attack on innocent soil, on innocent lives like that. And everyone knew that evil must be stopped for the sake of everyone. Not just the USA, but the sake of the world. Terrorism must be stopped just over a month ago, October 7th, 2023, was Israel's 9-11. 1,200 people, mostly civilians, were surprised, overtaken, and murdered by 1,500 Hamas terrorists who had been trained and prepared themselves to give their lives to kill innocent Jews. Approximately 30 children were killed that day. Many victims were tortured, raped, Burn, mutilated, with many of the acts filmed by the perpetrator, perpetrators, 240 estimated people being kidnapped, and approximately 32 of those are children. The world was with us for a day, I heard a Messianic Jew say, because they knew that they did nothing wrong. The Jews did nothing to deserve a violent, deadly attack. On innocent lives like that. Now the truth war is raging, and evil must be defeated for the sake of all of us, and the lies must be seen as pure, made-up lies. On October 7th, just to give us some perspective, the death numbers for Israel and that size nation population was ten times worse than our 9-11 compared to our country. How much more should the world support Israel? And today's really teaching, going through biblical history and history in the Middle East, we are going to see reasons why we stand with Israel. And Living Water, Living Waters Church stands with Israel. Amen. So one is because we stand against evil for the sake of everyone. And that's what they're doing right now, is battling a battle that if they don't fight on their soil, we'll have to fight on ours. The Hamas terrorists, headquartered there in Gaza, is almost completely sponsored and equipped by Iran. So it's almost like an Israel-Iran war going on right now. And I don't want to go into much of it today, but I want to say that their charter is clearly, their purpose as a terrorist organization is to take over the world that all would have their extreme Islam religion or die. And I'll hopefully next week go into some of their quotes from their charter on that. I want to start digging into some God's word here in a moment. Psalm 18, David, in his battles in that land, says in verse 17 and 18 of Psalm 18, God delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. And folks, since 1948, in the hand and the really many wars that Israel has faced, their enemy was too strong, but hold it, the Lord was their support. And they have found themselves victorious over and over again. So I'm going to mention over these two-part series three wars going, o- going on. A land war. A religious war, and then the biggest war of all is the truth war, where terrorists—they know this—and they are winning that war in the media today. I, you know, listened to a lot of uh, YouTube preachers and things. Uh, Skip Heitzig from Calvary Church in New Mexico is one of them, and I really liked his structure that he gave in a series, and I'm, I really borrowed his structure for today uh, that has helped me so much. And we want to start, as believers, going to God's Word. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 11, we find that God cares about this land. And in God's eyes, the land war is an important war. And we're going to see that from his word, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12. This is a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it says that this land has a permanence about it. Leviticus twenty-five twenty-three: the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. So I'm going to get into a handful of truths today and then several lies today, and that's our structure. okay? And the first truth is the land is God's land. That's what he said repeatedly in his word, and that's what he demonstrated in his word. And, you know, we know in the the Scriptures that actually uh, all the earth is a Lord in the fullness thereof, and yet he has a specific piece of small property on the earth that he specifically says, it's mine. You know, it says in Acts 17, 27, that, that he's made one blood of every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their preappointed times and the boundaries of their dwelling. So really, God has a sovereign work in the nations of the earth and who lives where and what tribes and what nations and languages. His hand is upon that. But he has specifically said and this Leviticus 25.3 and, and, and other places as he demonstrates, that God has the deed, the title deed, to the land of Israel. And he claims it as God's land. Truth number two, God gave the land to Abraham and his descendants. We're going to read, and, and, and then you'll have to go home and read some more, of the scriptures that verify this that God gave this land, he called him his own to Abraham's descendants. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is an important passage you should have underlined starred in your Bible because there's a blessing in it for you, and it's, it's part of one of the ways you can receive blessing. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So there is a blessing through Israel. The, The Jewish people with all the world is blessed, and then there's individual blessings for us when we bless Israel. In fact, we have a percentage of our giving that comes in out of ties. tithes. We put it in an Israel fund for giving to ministries and, and, and ways to dis- support Israel. We do that as well. We have a percentage as a family that we give continually to Israel. So I know that we can claim that we bless Israel and right now, we want to be careful because this is the curse. There's a lot of cursing going on over Israel right now. God sees that, and they will receive those results. The uh, passage goes on down in verse 7. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And they, there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And there's a couple of other verses you can look at later where God repeated this covenant that I'm going to give your descendants this land. Now, truth number three is really important because this is one of the arguments, like, well, isn't this kind of all over, that this land was an unconditional covenant? This is the truth. It is an unconditional covenant, meaning that even if the children of Israel fell away and disobeyed him, which they did, God already said, I'm going to still... Keep my promise and my covenant to you regarding this land. One of these scriptures is in Genesis 17, verses 7 and 8. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are stranger. All the land as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So he calls this an everlasting covenant. It's not a conditional one where oh they fell away and they were they were judged and they were exiled and had to uh, be judged in foreign lands for a long time. Psalm eighty nine verse thirty to thirty seven it says if his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgments if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments then I will punish their transgressions with a rod and their iniquity with stripes and let me tell you the Jewish people have experienced great suffering over their uh, wanderings of the earth, trying to find a safe place to live. The judgment has been excessive. It's been, it, you know, I won't, Lord, I mean, didn't say excessive. It, it's, his, his judgment was just, but it's a lot more than uh, uh, many other peoples have faced. Nevertheless, it says, My love and kindness I will not ur- utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor after the altar of the word that has gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. His seed shall endure forever, and his throne is the sun before me. It shall be established forever like the moon, even like the faithful witness in the sky. So God set up in Psalm 89, before they had received that exile, a couple hundred years later, that he would... Keep his covenant. Yes, he would. He would judge them. He would uh, punish them. And so God's been true to his word in his judgment and punishment, and also in keeping his covenant. Truth number four: the land was not given to uh, was not given to the descendants of Ishmael, but of Isaac and Jacob. Remember that story: Abraham and. Sarah getting really, really old, 90s, getting, I think he was 80-something when he had, Sarah gave her servant girl to him to bear a child. Hagar was the servant girl and Ishmael was the son. And in Genesis 17, he's getting older now, he's 99, 100, Sarah's 99, he's going, listen, can you bless My son Ishmael, just bless him. And this is what God said. And you can read verses around here in your own study. But as for Ishmael, God said, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. So it's literally... All the descendants of Ishmael are Arabs, and the descendants of Isaac are Jews. And so God didn't forget Ishmael. God did multiply him and keep his promises to him, and they are a mighty nation throughout our land, and they got a lot of land. Numbers-wise, I've heard estimated 45 million Arabs in the world And they are the descendants of Israel and 16 million Jews in the world. And they're the descendants of Isaac. Now, why so many more, three times more Arabs than Jews? Well, the Jews have been hunted over and over in Europe, Russia, the pogroms there, which where they would round them up, they would persecute them. And then, of course, the Holocaust to where they have been uh, cut down many times. Look at this map of the Muslim world. And there's these are different shades of colors of different types of um, people who live in the Middle East realm. And as far as uh, Muslims go, those are the, the dark. Sunni is the dark green, Shia is the light green. And, um, and, and, and there's two dots you see on here. The one on the left is, it's a little, little, uh, right there in the middle. It's kind of a purplish. That is the nation of Israel. Uh, and, and of course, they only have part of the land, uh, from the biblical borders. But this is just one of the examples. And if you go through the Islamic world and you keep showing, I mean, it's just huge. It's massive, comparatively speaking, to one spot on the earth dedicated to be a Jewish state. I want to just go on and mention mention here that Jacob, who's the son of Isaac, he is that lineage, and that God promises to him as well. And there's a number of places in Genesis 28 that mentions this, but Genesis 35 verse 12 says, the land I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, Jacob, and to your descendants after you, I give this land. And this is when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and he didn't give up in that wrestling match, and God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. You remember that Moses was finally going to lead, and he couldn't. He had to release Joshua as the new leader, to take their people in the what land? The promised land. That's the right name for Israel. It's the promised land. Well, what about them being exiled? Didn't that change the right to the land? Truth 5, Israel's captivity did not change their right to the land. The covenant was not nullified because of their disobedience. Yes, in around 720 B.C., the northern tribes were exiled in, uh, by uh, Assyria in 586 B.C. The southern tribes, Judah and Benjamin, lasted a little bit longer. With their, They had some better uh, kings than the northern tribes, but then they were punished and exiled into Babylon. But already Moses had written in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 3 through 5, that, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. There it is. Before it happens, Moses speaks it and prophesies it that when you're scattered, I'm going to have compassion. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you. From there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. It's another day to go into the Aliyah scriptures. Aliyah is that movement of the Holy Spirit bringing Jews back to the land. It's been miraculous. It's been uh, just unheard of in the earth. Uh, this going back to the land, and but there's sixty plus what we call Old Testament scriptures, Hebrew scriptures speaking of Israel coming back to the land and not just being there, but experiencing God's blessing and prosperity like they have, that this little, little spot on the earth is, is one of the most powerful and economically strong nations in the world. So why do we stand with Israel? One is to stand against Israel for the sake of everyone, but another is to stand with God's promises over the land and for his people. I want to get into some of the lies now. And it will get a little detailed here. But in, in the end, it's not that complicated. Lie number one, Israel is his historically Arab territory. Jews, therefore, are occupying the land. And, and this is wrong. They have been, the Jews were scattered for times, and then some of them, many of them were brought back, but and they would be scattered, and then they would be brought back, and and in the uh, in the Middle East, there were Jews starting to come back uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, because they were realizing that there's no safe place for us to live. There's archaeology that confirms the Old Testament stories of David and others living. In inhabiting this land. You think, well, where where does this name uh Palestine come from? There was never a nation named Palestine. It was given to the uh is Israel area back in 135 A.D. So this is after Christ, this is after they in 70 A.D. the, the Romans dispersed them out of the land and in in and, and uh because of revolt there at the time. And so Emperor Roman Emperor Hadrian really wanted to put a slur on them, that he wanted to distance the land from their identity and said, anybody who lives here is a Palest- is Palestinian. And Palestinian would come from Philistine, which, you know, that would be an enemy of the Jews. So it was a slur on them. And so Up until 1947, a Jew was a Palestinian Jew who lived in that that area. An Arab was an Arab-Palestinian Arab that lived in that area. There was not a nation uh, for the Palestines or of a Palestinian nation. It was a territory ruled by others, and that was just where you lived, a region you lived. But what you'll see today over and over is this inaccurate map and I've seen it, and you'll see pictures of you. have Probably already seen it. And it says, "Okay, uh, before 1946, Palestine was all this dark green. Is all these uh, Palestinians lived there, and we and we dominated the land. And what? That's not true. It was actually not the name Palestine. It was a territory, and both Israel's and Jews uh, and, and Arabs lived there. And so there's not an occupation." going on. We will go through these other ones here uh, and, and reveal uh, how things unfolded in history. You know, God says in His Word over and over and to the Israelites, remember your history. Remember what I've done. Remember the mistakes you made. So history is important, folks, because it's a determination of who in the world Uh, what is going on, and we have to be able to look back into history and learn from our history and our mistakes. So, there are 22 Arab states, 49 Muslim states, and only one Jewish state. So we're not talking about some kind of unfair, uh, you know, uh, uh, domination of real estate. There is just one small spot that the Jews are asking to live in peace. But what you're going to find is, in, in, in a, and we'll read this in line number two, that Israel is to blame for not giving up land. That they're not only occupiers, but they are not, uh, you, you know, they're not giving land when they're supposed to. What has happened is that the Arab world, and of course, terrorists that much more so have established the three no's. No peace, no recognition, no negotiation. That has been their stance over and over again. Israel wants peace. The Palestinians don't want peace. Israel just wants to have one place to live in peace and have a a land, and they're saying, no, you can have no recognition. And that's why they say, from the river to the sea, that's the Jordan River, one border all the way to the sea, no Jews can be there. No Jews can be anywhere. And no negotiation. So therefore, the Israel military has a specific name. One unlike it in all the earth, the Israeli Defense Force. They're just trying to defend their homeland. Give us one place to live at peace, please. And we'll defend it. I'm going to go into some dates. And thank you for putting on your good listening ears. But these show a repetition. A repetition of the three no's that given the opportunity, no, 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 from the Palestinian or Arab world and that they have to defend themselves, and they have never done anything to deserve a, one of these wars, and I'm going to go over some of them, not all of them, And but I give you little headlines so you can go to online and do some reading with these headlines and find out more about them. But in 1917, this is right uh, during the uh, World War I, the British Empire had overcome the Ottoman Empire, the Turkish Empire, and now had control of the land of the Middle East, much of the Middle East, and the League of Nations, which came out of the Allied Forces. I'm getting some history today, aren't I? Which turned into the United Nations later on. The League of Nations and the British government had the Belfar Declaration in 1917. To establish in Palestine a national home for the Jewish people. And so let's look at a map here that, in before, and it didn't start happening, I think, till 1922 or 23, but they had given much of, uh, would state that we want to give to the Jews, Israel borders and into Jordan area. And it was a, you know, much larger area. But in 1922, Israel and the Transjordan that was said this area can be given to the Jews. There were revolts. There was, uh, uh, reaction from the Arab world. And so in 1947, a two state solution for the Jews and the Arab was given by the League of Nations. and, And maybe they had become the United Nations by that time. And the Jews accepted the plan, a two-state plan. And if you look at this map, it was a terrible, terrible um, plan. There, the white, the the Arabs would be in green. The white in the bottom is the worst part of the whole nation. It's so desert, it's almost inhabitable. And they didn't get to have, uh, no one had uh, Jerusalem. It was an international city. And in 19... you know, Israel said, okay, we'll take that. Well, in their position, the Arabs said, the three no's. And on the day in 1948, May 14th, 1948, Israel declared themselves a nation. And they would live there in this, these borders given to them. But the day after, five of the neighboring Arab world came in and attacked Israel. The first day that their nation, five nations came against one. And folks, they won that miraculous war. Why? Because God said, I care about the land. I've given a promise to the Jews for this land. And I will support Israel. In 1964, the PLO was formed, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Yasser Arafat was its leader that's now called the PA. And their charter, their goal was to eliminate Israel from the land. They even, the Arab League Summit happened in 1967. And in 1967, this Arab League Summit made it worldwide known. Listen, we're not, this is not a hidden thing and we're deceptive. There we have no peace for Israel, no recognition and no negotiation and immediately after that summit was the six day war. the six day war was uh, the Arabs lined up to attack on the borders, and Israel Air Force was ready, and they did a preemptive attack, knocked out air force. Uh, uh military bases and tanks that were ready to attack and they quickly did a six-day victory. Did did the Israel do something for that war? Did they do something for the 1948 war? No, they didn't. They were going to live by the UN, board, UN borders. We gave them just give us some land, let us live at peace. No. The three no's happened. And again, in 1967, they didn't deserve that attack. In 1973, it was Yom Kippur War, the holiest day of the year. They're actually fasting and praying. They were surprised attacked. attack. Three Arab nations came in. They, they lost uh, a, a number of lives there at first, but came back and won that war. Did they deserve that attack, that war? They did not. 1979, Israel gave away the Sinai Peninsula, this huge portion of land that connected to Egypt. It was, it was the biggest landmass of the whole nation. And gave it to Egypt for peace in the Camp David Accord. Yasser Arafat, no, no, excuse me, uh, Anwar Sadat was the president of Egypt. He had the courage to be an Arab. And to sign that peace treaty, three years, two years later, he was assassinated. He and his wife knew that that would likely happen. Robert Stearns, our good friend, my old friend, he was telling the story that Timer Reed, the pastor that he has pl- replaced there in Rochester, New York, knew Sadat's and his wife and particularly spent time with Sadat's wife after he died. And she said... He knew it would happen, and he took the bullet with courage because he believed that his life was worth peace for his nation. 1993 was the Oslo Accords with Yasser Arafat and with um, Bill Clinton mediating that, and... Bill Clinton said, You're being offered 90 some percent that you've wanted. 90 some percent, 97 percent is given to you. Why won't you take this? He said, Because I'll be assassinated. So the three no's continued, and the second uh, intifada began right after those Oslo Accords. There there wasn't any grounds uh, toward peace at all. Now we come to Hamas. 2005, Israel gives Gaza to the Palestinians for their control. The Palestinians voted in Hamas to govern them by 82%. That was in 2005. I remember seeing images of this because IDF soldiers had to go in and remove, I think it was 15,000 Israeli citizens who had homes, families, businesses, had to go in and capture and arrest their own people and drag them out of Gaza. So they said, no more uh, just trying to work together, Palestinians, no more intermixing in the land. You get this land, and we're out, and what do they do? They elect Hamas. As their governing body. And humanitarian aid for the all the struggles they, the, those people were having. And they were, and they were there. And then Iran's aid. Billions of dollars. And what did they do with it? They didn't build wonderful homes and businesses and structures. They could have had a resort with all that investment. Resort land. It could have been the hottest place to go visit on the Mediterranean Sea. Instead, they put the millions and billions into tunnels, strategically designed tunnels for warfare to hide behind in and under hospitals, schools, apartments. You've seen the news. This is incredible. They would rather have one of their children's in schools or families killed, captured or on film for the truth war to gather the the, the influence of the world is to support them and go against Israel. Um, hopefully next week we'll get more into the religious war aspect of this. But folks, as far as giving up land, they have. From what the British mandate and from what uh, was originally offered, they have hardly any land compared to what the original proposals were. The whole Gaza thing that they, no listen, they, Israel for since 2005 has not had any control in Gaza. And what happened just days after 2005? Rockets started coming. And one reason that they were able to let it go because the dome of the rock, the missile defense systems is about ninety five percent accurate, and they just said, we'll just, just bear with it. Though we live with these sounds and bomb shelters uh, that can happen any time of the year, we'll just we'll just live with it. So line number three that Israel is an apartheid state. Let me tell you some things about living in Israel. If you're not Jewish, and there's 20% Arab citizens in the land of Israel, they have the exact same rights as a Jewish citizen, as an Arab citizen. In fact, just a couple years ago, in the Knesset, which is the parliament, there is an Islamic political party as part of the parliament. They, one of the Supreme Court justices is a Muslim Arab in that land. I heard from our tour guide say that sometimes depending on the, the towns and cities where a Muslim and Jewish person lives, they get paid the same, but the Jewish person will have higher taxes than the Arabs, and Arabs will take more uh, take-home pay than an Israeli uh, Jewish Israeli would. Let's go back over this map again. I I didn't go back to it here. So through these wars, Israel regained all of the borders being attacked. They defended themselves and they won these battles. And then so through that, they had the right to keep all the land. But in order to try to bring peace they would negotiate for peace. They would uh, come up with resolutions, and so there you see in these green spots, you have the Gaza Strip in the corner, and then you have uh, there in the center area, and one of the spots is, is half of Jerusalem is uh, controlled and inhabited and controlled by uh, Palestinians. I met a flying over to Israel in April, sat next to a Muslim man, businessman, coming home on a business trip. And he was easy to talk to, very friendly. Now, his broken English, and I couldn't follow his mother tongue, so we were struggling a little bit. But, yeah, he's Arab, he's Muslim. And he says, oh, it's, it's good, it's peaceful. He says, I send my children to a Catholic school. Because it's good education. So he's not an extreme Islamic. He is not someone that reads the Quran and says, okay, it says to go kill the infidel. He he bypasses that. And he lives, I'm gonna just use the word nominal Muslim religious life and just practices enough to kind of still call himself Muslim. Hey, Catholics do that, Christians can do that, you know, show up at church a couple times a year. Uh pray at a meal every now and then, yeah, I'm Christian, yeah, I'm Catholic, and they actually don't have any kind of dedication to their faith. They're mostly just secular people, and he's enjoying this growth and prosperity of this nation that leads the world in much technology and and, and unique, specific productions that they have developed. Romans 11.1, one, I say then, has God cast away His people? Certainly not, for I also am an Israelite, Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin. God is still working among the Jewish people and in the land. But we are a part of Living Waters. We want to be a part of this fight against truth, that truth for truth that we say we stand for Israel, and I printed out these things to give you some timelines, to give you some headlines that you can research more, but you have good reasons to stand with Israel. We stand for Israel uh, because we are against evil for the sake of everyone. This is a terroristic war going on right now. It must be won for our sakes here in America. We stand with Israel because of God's promises over the land. We stand for truth. And I want to say this, we stand with our friends in Israel. I want to encourage you. We, I, we should trust mature believers in Christ. We, Those who have been believers for 20, 30, 40 years... Those are the kinds that we listen on YouTube and we listen to their teachings. We, we honor them, their faithful service. Let me tell you, we know these leaders in Israel who've been there 30 and 40 years. The Hillsdons, Shishkov, uh the Davises and the um, Syags in Haifa. We need to listen to our brothers and sisters in Christ. What are they saying? They've lived there thirty and forty years. They've they've had to go in the bomb shelters. They, what do we do in listening to some news program of people who have agendas? Let's listen to our believers. We can we actually know them. We've been in their homes. We've been in their ministries. We've sat and we've laid hands on them and blessed them. We know them. Let's trust God's Put them in their life. They are the body of Christ's leaders in Israel in the Middle East. We need to listen to them. We need to learn from them. And we have that opportunity. Let's not listen to someone pontificating over an ocean about this or that. Let's listen and learn from those in the land. And let's stand with them in prayer and support. I do plan on picking a Sunday um, and I'm, I'm looking for a certain um, kind of time frame to do it where I'm just going to say, hey, let's give to these couple of different Israel ministries. And um, uh, we want to just as a church send uh, a couple of offerings overseas. And so be praying about your willingness to participate. Someone that needs prayer right now, not because of the war, is Jonathan Burnus, Jonathan Burnus is a leader, Messianic leader, um, and has an international ministry. He did a lot with bringing uh, Jewish Russians to Israel. He's been here a couple of times. I don't know if y'all can remember how many times he was here ministering. Um, I know he and Paul Wilbur gave a word to me that still has impacted my life. I was standing right there. The prayer line was all around the stage, and they were working each one. They had a, a quick word for me that, that I came back to me yesterday, actually. So he's been in a, some kind of coma for 12 days and just came out of it, and he has a, a liver damage that's come kind of I think they're looking at a liver transplant for him. So what I'd like to do in conclusion is to have these tables is just to have some prayers for Israel not to do discussion today and so if one person at the table if you can just in your mind right now let's pray you know pray for Jonathan Bernus and what he is his life physical life he is battling for right now another thing i want us to pray for is salvation for jews and palestinians there are soldiers on both sides. There's people on both sides who are in crisis. This is a great time for salvation, for a great harvest, that people realize, I do not have a future uh, in God. How do I find God? How do I find eternity? This, I could take a bullet today, and they would look seriously at those questions. And Hamas terrorist can be saved. You've maybe seen him, and I want to listen to more about his story, but this son of a Hamas founder, he's a believer. He's like lives in hiding at somewhere in the States, but he's been on YouTube, and he said, I was captured by Israeli soldiers along with other Hamas soldiers. We were in an Israeli prison, and when I saw how my fellow Hamas soldiers were treating each other, With hate and with violence, I'm like, this is going to be terrible if we, I guess this was before 2005, if we become a ruling body, look how we're going to treat our people. And that was a son of a terrorist. His eyes were open to this senseless evil. There's such complications with the Palestinians because of the indoctrinations in the schools and families. It's really hard to wade through. But right now, there are Palestinians who are fleeing uh, and they are wondering, is my God Allah going to really save me in the afterlife? So please, at your table, pray for salvations for Jews and for Palestinians. Would someone else or a third prayer to pray is to pray for people to see the truth. And you might be part of that answer. Well, you're going to speak up, and you're going to take what you've learned, or you're going to take this handout today and make a copy of it. and said, let me go over some things. Let's go over. Let me tell you, you want to take this seriously. God blesses those who bless Israel. Don't start cursing Israel right now. There is really a reason, and, and I, again, hopefully next week or sometime early next year, we'll get into this. Joel Lee had a vision when he was a young minister. That vision he ended up sharing with us in the mid 90s. And it's, there's a reason why Joel was saying, Living Waters is a people that stands with Israel. And he didn't, he could see it in the vision, and I'll share it another day. But that's the reason why we're here on November 12, 2023, is to stand with Israel. That's a uniqueness about our church body. Many churches are, many churches are not. And so here we are. we got to understand the reasons why we stand with Israel. So these are things worth studying, worth researching. Feel free to send me your questions, particularly after next Sunday, because we'll get into some other things next Sunday. So we're praying for Jonathan Burness and our friends in Israel. We're praying for salvations. We're praying that people would see the truth. And then I'll let you pray whatever else is on your heart there at your table. I'm going to give you, um, oh, about you know, four or five minutes or so for you to have these prayer times at your tables. And then we'll have altar calls uh, teams available and we'll close in a blessing.